Welcome to Career and Leadership Real Talk, the no-nonsense guide for ambitious managers who want to have more impact and progress their career. I'm Pamela Langan, a job search coach and expert CV writer specialising in helping frustrated professionals land the jobs and pay rises they know they deserve. And I'm Jackie Jagger, a leadership and mindset coach specialising in helping newly promoted and new to role leaders to avoid the dickhead trap and lead with confidence. Between us, we've helped hundreds of leaders and managers to find new roles, take ownership of their careers, and handle the challenges that job searches and leadership responsibility inevitably bring. And now we're joining forces to share with you what we know has worked for our clients. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. Today, we've got another career clinic for you and two really juicy questions that we think that you'll definitely be able to relate to. So we're going to dive straight in with the first question. So the first one is, I've just been promoted and my new team is made up of two separate teams that have been merged. They seem to have been quite neglected in the past. So how can I approach this? Yeah, I love this question. And I have to say versions or iterations of this have come up numerous times for clients of mine. So I definitely feel like some of our listeners will have experience this or if you haven't already then you might experience it at some point so what I would say with this is there's often kind of three phases if you like so if you take over any team not just a team that's been neglected but I think it's particularly important in that situation the first phase I would always say is about listening and understanding what's been going on for each of the individuals within that team so as early as you can, I would always hold one-to-ones with each member of your team, each of your direct reports. And within that, I would just really focus on listening and have some standard questions that you will ask each of them. So some of the things that are really useful is to ask them a bit about their background, get to know what do they love, what are they really good at, what do they not love about how things have been working. So if the team has already merged and they're already supposed to be working as a team, but they're not, what is it that they want from you? What is it that they want from each other? What If they're feeling neglected, what's prompted that? Is it that their manager hasn't shown interest in them? Is it that their work hasn't seemed to have been valued or they haven't had appreciation for the effort that they've put in or recognition for what they've contributed, what's prompting those feelings. So I would always start with that kind of one-to-one, getting a feel for who are they, what are they about, what do they want from each other, what do they want from you, what are their strengths and what are their kind of contributions that they can make, but also what are the things that have contributed to some of that negativity. So that's definitely where I would start. Then I would look at building trust. So thinking about what can you do early doors to show that you are going to be someone who is going to have their interests at heart, who is going to focus on the team, who is going to be someone who is going to build that team. And this can be really small things. And it's just about showing that you will keep to your word. It's things like clarity around roles and responsibilities it's setting expectations but it's also really simple things like actually sticking to the one-to-one times that you've put in the diary 
it's showing that if you have said that you will do something by a certain date, that you do it by a certain date. It's really small things like that that show that you keep your word. And I am aware how simple this probably sounds when I'm saying it. And you're kind of like, well, of course I would. But when people are feeling neglected, it's often things like that. It's often that they felt that their manager isn't interested, doesn't care, will postpone or cancel one-to-ones at the drop of a hat, will turn up late to meetings because they're so busy. So some of those really simple things can just be incredibly powerful to just build that trust and respect and that feeling of, okay, this is someone that's a bit different here. This is someone that cares. And then I think when you've started to build that trust and respect individually with those people and you've understood them and their context, that's when you can start to formulate that plan for what's the the team cohesion here? How do we create that sense of team? So I'm aware that's thrown loads of stuff out there in quick succession, but it's, yeah, it's quite a complex process. But I think if you break it down into those phases, it helps to make it a little bit easier, a little bit more manageable because they are quite simple one by one. Yeah, definitely. I think that's really good advice. And I I always think as well, when I've taken over teams in the past, there's always those hidden gems that have been overlooked by previous managers. Maybe there's been a personality clash. Maybe they didn't have the confidence to articulate what they could actually bring or the additional experience that they've got. So they just end up put in a box and that's where they end up getting demotivated and things like that or feel like they're not heard. So I think that speaking to each member on an individual level is really effective because sometimes when you get them all together as a team and you say like, what's going on and what's been happening, you can almost create an element of negativity where everyone's having a little moan and not everyone will share and be open, will they, in that team environment. So I think getting everyone together on an individual basis works really well because then you can almost start building that trust with them straight away as well, can't you? Just by getting under the skin of what they want and also how they want to be managed as well. I think that's important. I think that's something that we forget a lot of the time to do as leaders and managers, like asking people simply, how do you like to be managed? Yeah. What can I do to get the best out of you? What is it that you really appreciate from people that have managed you before? What have been the things that have driven you around the bend from previous leaders and managers that you've worked for? And if you ask those specific questions, you'll get just some really helpful insights into what is it that these people care about? What is it that's going to help you to build a relationship quickly? And what is it that's going to really push them away? And, And often... Yeah, I think especially hearing that word neglected, I think often it is that people haven't felt heard. I think exactly that phrase is is perfect. People have felt like their efforts have gone unnoticed. They've felt like it doesn't matter how hard they work or what they contribute, it's never good enough. So if you've got that kind of flat, demotivated, demoralized feel, it's often surprisingly simple to start to turn it around. It doesn't have to be fireworks and putting a bomb under it and starting all over again. It's very often that people do just feel like they haven't been heard and they haven't felt noticed. And you're absolutely right about those hidden gems. There's always people who's have just kept the noses clean and kept their heads down and, like you say, maybe had a personality clash. And they do a great job, steady as you like, deliver. And those people are so valuable, what they can bring to a team. And they're very often overlooked 
And I think that's a really helpful thing to do is to just draw that out. And when those people feel good, if they've not felt good before, it's oh, like you just literally almost see them bloom in front of your eyes. It's amazing. Yeah, I love it when that happens. And I also think as well, going in with an open mind, because what I've always found when I've taken over teams in the past, you will get the rundown on the individuals, on the awkward customers, the people that cause problems, the people that moan, the people that are negative. And it's almost just going to let you know about these people in advance. But I always think usually there's a reason why they're doing that. Sometimes, yeah, people are negative and no matter what you do, no matter how good a leader you are, you're not going to change that person. But generally in the workplace, there's usually something underlying that has either happened or made them feel in a certain way that creates that behavior within that person. So I always think going with an open mind and even if somebody says, oh, they're really awkward or really hard to deal with or really difficult to manage, you go in with an open mind and you do exactly what you said and treat everybody the same, have that open mind where you're like, okay, tell me about what's been going on for you. Tell me what works for you and all of that good stuff because Again, sometimes those people, those awful customers can actually be the hidden gems, the ones that have spotted something that some, like I usually find that those people that are putting forward the negativity, they've spotted things, there's process improvements that they're like, we need to change this. And it's like quieting down because we've not got the budget or whatever. So they're almost like beaten into submission and they just think, forget it, I'll just carry on. And then you start talking to them and they're like, the reason I've been demotivated or feeling down is X, Y, and Z. And you're like, all right, okay. I had exactly that situation with a team I took over. My boss sat me down, talked about, let me give you the lowdown on all these members of your team, talk me three people. And there was one particular individual and described as high maintenance, but worth it. That was how they were described. And the idea was that you can expect that they'll be quite challenging, that they will be hard work to manage, but they can deliver. That was the message. And that person for me was not high maintenance in the slightest because it was exactly what you've described. They were feeling that they had all this experience and all these skills And they were feeling like they were being kept down. They were frustrated. They felt they had ideas. They felt they had things to bring. And part of what that initial conversation that I had was to say, what do you want? What do you expect from me? What would help you? And it was, I'm looking for backing in these kinds of things. And I said, okay, and you can have that. Number one, you need to give me time to build those relationships so that I can advocate on your behalf with those people that you want me to. But also you need to communicate in a way that is passionate without being disrespectful or dismissive. So from the very early stages, and and that was exactly what happened. And within a pretty short space of time, I actually was able to step back out of that advocation on their behalf because in doing that, and changing how they communicated, they were then able to build that relationship and they were starting to be listened to because their ideas were really good. And people had chosen not to listen because they didn't like the way, but rather than tackle the way that those ideas were expressed and say, look, you've got some great ideas, you need to express them in a more respectful way, they just pushed that person away and were, oh, the hard work. 
they weren't hard work at all. They were full of great ideas, creative, brought masses to the party, but they just had to have that expectation set of, okay, you've got great ideas to get them heard. This is what you need to do. And that minor tweak made the world a difference. Yeah. And sometimes that is all it takes, isn't it? It's just a different approach and just letting somebody let those ideas flow and let them out. And sometimes people don't always know how to articulate stuff. And I always think that's where, as a leader, you need to give people that space to express and then give them some guidance on like where you were saying, express it in a more respectful way. Like sometimes people don't really know what that looks like. So it's then I feel as the leader, it's your job to guide them and support them in doing that and even making that part of their personal development plan that they can keep contributing ideas, but they do it in a way that is delivered better, delivered in a way that people can understand and almost relate with what they're suggesting. So I think that is, that's a brilliant approach. And I think if everybody did that, like cultures within organizations would be completely different and it would cut out a load of the toxic stuff as well, wouldn't it? Because I always find over the years, I probably spoke with thousands of people that have been in toxic work environments and it does come down to the leadership and are you heard or are you not heard? And if it's a real hard one, isn't it, to get that right? And I think as a leader, you have to lead that, don't you? You have to lead with an open mind and provide that safe space and the guidance and really help people get the best out of people. I think that's the key, isn't it? Absolutely. Okay, so our next question then is, I've had a guy on a performance plan who started showing signs of improvement, but now I've recognized that he's not actually going to make it. And I feel like I'm a failure and that I'm a bad manager. Yeah, again, this is, I think particularly this hits people the first time that it happens. So this is a hard situation to be in as a leader and manager where you've got someone that's on a performance plan, you start to see improvement and you feel like, yes, okay, we're starting to get there. And then it plateaus or it falls back. And it, it's if you are a nice person and a good person and you've tried to set people up for success and you've tried to provide the support, you are going to feel bad if somebody isn't making the grade, you, you can't not, you can't switch off those feelings. What I think you have to do is to recognize that part of your role as a leader or manager is to deliver on behalf of the business. And so sometimes, unfortunately, you are going to be in situations that probably won't feel great, but you have a responsibility to deliver them to the best that you can. So I think in this situation, it's not, there's always times, sometimes you might take over running a team or you might have someone that you pick up management of that isn't performing. It might be that the role changes and that what somebody was delivering was enough. And now that things have changed within the business and roles and responsibilities have changed, they maybe don't quite have the capability or the skill set to deliver on what's needed. It may be that from recruitment, someone's been recruited and they seemed like the perfect person and they're great at delivering well-articulated interview responses. But when they get into the role, you don't see the level of performance that you anticipated based on their previous experience and that. So I think when you're in that situation, you just have to be kind to yourself 
and also think about how do I manage this in a way that will leave the do least harm if you like to to this individual because if somebody is not performing yes you can take that on yourself but that still needs to be dealt with and I think it's about how you have those conversations it's about recognizing that if you get to the end of a leadership and management career and you've not had any performance management issues you've either been exceptionally lucky you've had incredibly talented people or you've not had that many people because you've been in functional specialisms where perhaps your team isn't that big and you have not had that many people. But if you've managed, line managed a lot of people over the course of your career, you will have times where people aren't performing and that doesn't reflect on you as a manager, but not tackling it that does reflect on you as a manager. So how you handle yourself and how you handle the conversations in this situation is what matters. So do it as kindly as you can, but still be clear. Deliver those messages with empathy for the fact that it's not going to be nice for that person receiving them, but you've still got a responsibility to have those conversations and to say what needs to be said. So I, I get it. That feels horrible. But it's part of that responsibility that comes with being in a leadership role. And it does not mean that you're a bad manager. There will always be times where people don't have the capability and or just don't have the commitment. That's the most frustrating, I think, is when you know that somebody has got the capability, but they haven't actually got the commitment and the will to deliver. And they could if they wanted to, but they're just not bothered enough. And if that's the case, you just have to handle it. Yeah, and it's always a hard one, that, isn't it? Because when somebody isn't performing and you've been working with them and you know they've got potential, it does really sting, doesn't it? Because you instantly start to think, could I have done more? What do people around me think of my leadership um, skills? And it's a hard one, isn't it? Because you, you're willing this person to succeed. But like you say, if they've not got the commitment they're not going to succeed no matter what you do, no matter what anybody does, they need to want to succeed. And sometimes it is the right time for that person to move on and find something that is going to light them up. Because I always find as well, where if somebody is on a performance plan and they're not improving, sometimes it is that real lack of passion, isn't it? And maybe it's the wrong job, maybe it's the wrong direction. But then it's not for you to help them to find that direction. Like they need to figure out what lights them up, what they want to be doing on a daily basis. So it can be really tough. And I think you're right. It's You can't take it personally. You just have to treat every individual case as what it is at the time and support that person as much as you can. But then you've got to draw a line because it could go on and on. And if that person shows no signs of improvement, then unfortunately, you've got to make those tough decisions and have those tough conversations. And it, it can be really sad, but it's part of being a leader, isn't it, at the end of the day? Yeah, it is. And I think, I actually think sometimes you can support people with some of that, helping to, to encourage them to explore at least what direction could be right for them. And I think the situations are often very nuanced and you have to be mindful of employment law and making sure that you are fair and reasonable and follow whatever policies and processes are in place. But 
also I think sometimes you can do that in a way where you know sometimes there can be some honesty and I know I've had that situation before where it was a horrible situation to be in and I had someone that was on a performance plan and I remember having the conversation where they were petrified because they knew that what the implications of this could be and part of what I said was do you want me to go through the steps and how this might work and she said yes and so I took her through you're worried that you potentially could lose your job as a result of this this is the time frames this is the steps in the policy and procedure so if you were to not meet these milestones then this would happen and she then said to me everything you're asking of me is reasonable but I can't deliver it so mm-hmm. we got to that point and of course that did not feel good as a conversation it didn't feel good for me to lay that out but I did that because for her the not knowing was worse so it almost gave her that timeline of I know that I can't do it I know that what you're asking is reasonable and I know that I don't have the capability to deliver it but it also gave her some certainty of there's these steps that have to be followed so you've got effectively this amount of time to find another job before you're at the earliest at risk of losing the job that you've got because of the performance issues that are happening and so while it wasn't a pleasant conversation giving her that kind of certainty then meant that she had some time frame and she did go and found another job and she didn't end up being managed all the way through the process she moved on to something that hopefully was better suited and worked better for her so yeah I definitely have empathy with that manager because it it is a horrible situation where you've got someone who you can see is trying really hard and they just don't have the capability I think that that is a really tough situation but ultimately they're responsible for themselves you're responsible for yourself and if you are in a leadership role unfortunately some of the responsibility that comes with it doesn't always feel good yeah and that that's the thing isn't it it doesn't it doesn't always feel good but I think I do think the um the benefits outweigh you know the, those those times that are difficult to deal with so I suppose you've just got to take the rough with the smooth and just deal with every situation and every person as it comes up and you can't worry about feeling like a failure you just have to make sure that you're doing everything within your power to make sure that you've supported that person in the right way and move forward absolutely so thanks for listening to this career clinic episode we are really enjoying doing these so if you have any career clinic questions please do drop them to us by dm our contact details are in the show notes and if you are facing one of these thorny issues and need some support with handling it then you can also book a power hour or you can book a call to chat to us about working together ongoing So we'll be back next week. As ever, if you've enjoyed the episode, please do rate and review it on your podcast platform of choice. And please do share it with anyone who's going through one of these types of situations if you feel that they would benefit from listening to the advice. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.